My name is Pastor Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at First Oak Bible. It is truly my honor today to bring God's Word. Uh, I just Before I start in God's Word, I just want to say thank you. Last week was wonderful. Pastor Appreciation was a wonderful time. It always is so awkward for our family to be um, like the center of attention and, and to be honored, and, and it just it feels so weird. Um, but, but it is also very, it's medicine to our heart and our soul. It, it, is, it is a blessing, and I, I don't want to take that for granted. I, I don't want to move past that. Some of you, I wrote you specifically. If you wrote us a card, gave us a gift, um, if I didn't write you, uh, I'm trying to get to you. Maybe I don't have your information or something, but I want to say thank you from the pulpit. Thank you so much for the honor and the grace and the mercy. Thank you for the love and the support. God is doing amazing things at First Open Bible, and it truly is an honor uh, to be in this position to see what God is doing. God's given me dreams for, for Cedar Rapids and the surrounding area, and I know God is just beginning to do things in the house, and he wants you to be a part of that, and so it's an honor to be able to lead in such a way, and um, we just want to say thank you. The event was amazing. Uh, our friends from Arkansas got to be here with us. He was my mentor, my associate pastor at one time. When, when I was like most of you, I was not in any position in the church. I was working a full-time job, and at one time I was working two jobs. Why? Because I had extra time and I had bills to pay. Um, I actually had to pay my school loans off for college. Moving on. Um, <laughs> two jobs, two jobs to do that, okay? So you probably know how I feel about the whole thing. Anyway, moving on. But my wife... As well, it was just awesome time that we were working and we were able to go to this church and it ministered to us and we were so blessed that we could not just sit and watch. We had to be involved. He mentored me uh, for a while and as he shared last week, I uh, felt called into the ministry, got called back. Uh, pastor Dan, used to be the pastor here, wrote me a Facebook message and uh, said, are you interested in going back into full-time ministry? Now, I worked an amazing job, got paid crazy money, a job that I didn't deserve, but God's favor was on me, and uh, even bonuses, and, and we just remodeled our house, and uh, we just, our son was just born, and um, God was finally blessing, and if you don't know some of our history, it took nine years for our son to be born. We were told we couldn't have children but God, right? And so, uh, Amen. And God was doing amazing things, but we couldn't just sit, and we had to get involved, and then God calls back to ministry, and we went to a place where the white demon is prevalent, and uh, that stinks, but we love you anyway. God is calling us up north, and uh, even one guy said, you're moving up there with them Yankees? And I was like, really? You, you still, you're still talking like that? That's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we moved up here to Iowa, and it's a blessing. And we're just, I just want to say thank you for past appreciation last week and all the blessings that God is doing. So thank you. I want to give you a hand. Thank you for all that you've done. Love you. All right, so here we go. You ready to conclude Jonah this morning? All right, seven people. Praise God. The rest of you, the rest of you can just keep reading on your own. That's cool. Um, our monthly series is concluding today, if you like it or not. Uh, the title is Jonah, Grace That is Greater. Now, chapter one is, and you can open up in your Bible, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah was a prophet. It's one of the prophetic books in the Old Testament. It's probably about halfway-ish, maybe a little less than um, your Bible when you open it up. Pastor Mark told us the uh, page number in the church Bibles here, the pew Bibles, but I don't remember what it was. If you know it, say it. Nobody's there yet? Okay, cool. 
What? 764. Please open to 764 if you have a Bible here. If not, if you have a tree, I'll hear it. If you have an E, get on your phone and, and read it that way, however you want to do it. Uh, but open up to Jonah. So Jonah chapter 1. I'm just doing a quick recap before we get into 3 and 4. We're going to conclude Jonah today. Uh, Jonah chapter 1 is all about when God calls. What are we going to do when God calls? Here's the first three verses in Jonah chapter 1. The big number is the chapter. The little numbers are the verses. We're going to read the big number 1, verses 1 through 3. Those are the small ones. Those are the verses. So it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up. Right? You know who received that word this morning? <laughs> Miss Marilyn. Miss Marilyn received that word. Get up and get to the church house. I love you, Miss Marilyn. I love you. She, it was good having her here. I think she's going to maybe leave now because I keep embarrassing her, but uh, she knows I love her. <laughs> oh, I remember Miss Marilyn. She was a great lady. <laughs> so she left and I uh, was mad that Pastor Harris, but send me an email, mcolum at firstopenbible.com. It says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3. But Jonah got up, and he went the opposite direction. Uh-uh. To get away from the Lord, he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, you know these aren't just stories. This is history, by the way. Right? We're reading the story of Jonah in history. And this story talks about obedience or disobedience. What will we choose when God calls us? We found in chapter 1 that when the prodigal prophet Jonah didn't do what God told him to do, his disobedience put him in danger and everyone else around him in danger. Church, the same thing happens when we don't follow the plans and the purposes from God for us in our lives. When we run from God, we are in danger and so is everybody else around us. So what did God do? He prepared a big storm and a big fish for Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 says this, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. That's unfortunate. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. You maybe as a child were taught, or maybe you've heard this story before, a fish or a whale. Either way, it was a great fish. Now this took us into chapter 2. This is the prayer from Jonah. Some people have called this the psalm of Jonah. Now this prayer that we read together verse by verse just a few weeks ago, this was a glimpse of just a few prayers that Jonah must have been praying for those three days and those three nights. Sometimes God secludes us, doesn't he? And we're left with our thoughts and our decisions and our consequences. And sometimes that's the best time to be with God and to listen to God. And Jonah had nowhere to go and nothing to do other than talk to God at this time. Now, see, Jonah didn't even know if he was dead or not. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what was happening to him. He started looking back and evaluating his decisions. We read that in his prayer. Jonah had a lot of time to reflect about his disobedience, and Jonah had a lot of time to reflect about his mess. Now, there's times in life God needs to get our attention. Hey, hey? 
He is to help us see a bigger picture. Help us change our attitudes and our perspective. Why? Because he wants us to get back on track. In the midst of it all, Jonah called out to God in his despair. Right? Jonah didn't want to pray. He didn't pray. All the heathens around him were praying to their gods. He didn't want to do anything. He disobeyed God. He ignored God. And he shut God out of his life. And God still sent a big fish to rescue him. Not to punish him, but to rescue him. And even in his despair, even after denying God and and pretty much saying, forget you, God, I want nothing to do with you, God still heard Jonah's prayers. And God answered his prayers. Now this is how chapter 2 ends. It ends this way. Jonah 2.10 says this. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And just like a few weeks ago, we know that God's grace is great because there's only two ways out of a fish. And the Lord ordered that he be spit out. That's how you know it was grace and not punishment, I think. Okay. So now we find ourselves in chapter 3. The people of Nineveh were so horribly wicked. It's actually difficult to describe. If there's children in here, I just want you to warn you that it's about to get very graphic, but it is also real. Okay? My wife, Sarah, she did a really, really good job on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago. So I'm going to just give a high level of what she described when it came to these people in Nineveh. Here's what they would do with their prisoners of war. They'd rape the women. They would murder the children. They would take the men and they would skin them alive and bury them in the desert. They'd pull out their tongue and drive a stake through that so they would go crazy and die of thirst. Then they would take their heads and cut them off and build a pyramid of skulls so that way other cities would know the Ninevites were here and we conquered that city. So as much as we think Jonah was a prodigal, non-obedient sissy, we now understand a little bit more of Jonah's fear and or frustration in those days. Can you imagine? Hey, I want you to go to Hamas. And I want you to preach the gospel of Jesus. Tell them to repent. See, Jonah wanted nothing to do with these horrible people. He thought, no mercy for the merciless. Okay, let's read chapter 3 together, okay? All right, chapter 3. We're going to read the first three verses. Jonah 3, 1 and 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Praise God. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver this message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Okay, let's stop there. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Church, say second time. This is just another great example and proof that God gives second chances when we don't deserve it. Why? His grace 
Church is greater. This is also why we never write someone else off. Never say never to giving another a second chance. Don't withhold mercy from other people. Why? Because God doesn't withhold his mercy from you. Church, God is the God of second chances. We're all a little bit like Jonah. We don't deserve a second chance, do we? Five people. No, they don't deserve a second chance. Do we deserve a second chance? But God. But God. But God. The word of the Lord, you know what's cool? I'm going to stop right there. What's really cool is, listen, most of you, worldly-wise, we don't have a lot in common. I grew up in Oregon. I like a team that has offense. (laughs) Yes, you're bugged because you know it's truth. Oh, that felt good. Oh, man. Back to the spiritual things, okay. But seriously, we don't have a lot in common. Some of you, we're not the same age. We didn't grow up in the same neighborhood. We don't like the same things. Uh, we don't have the same mindsets. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ways and a lot of things that we shouldn't get along. But God, we are united together as one because of Christ Jesus. We are worshiping here today Because of Christ Jesus, not because of the color of my skin, my background, how I talk, where I'm from, how old I am. It doesn't, none of that matters. It won't matter in heaven and it won't and it shouldn't matter here. And you know why we're all united? We're united in Christ because we got a second chance. All of us have that in common. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have grace and mercy. You have the love of the Father. If you realize what that is, we all have something in common. We all got a second chance. See, for Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord. Church, will you? Just because you didn't obey the commands of God or the word of the Lord the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. The, see, some of y'all have been called into ministry. Some of y'all have been called to do something. Some of y'all have been called to speak up and to step out and to go. And you've been denying over and over and over again. But just because you've done that that many times doesn't mean you can't obey God now. This time around, don't stay stuck in disobedience, just like Jonah Obey the word of the Lord. Okay, so what did Jonah do? Let's keep reading. Let's read Jonah 3, verses 4 and 5. That's the little ones, 4 and 5. On the, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it, right? 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Forty days from now, you will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. From the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Let's stop there for a second. 
What? Well, that was quick. I I didn't see that coming. Right? Jonah didn't come with a feel-good message like we want as Christians or churches want to to hear. Right? It wasn't this long message of patting ourselves on our back and telling us how much God loves us and everything's so great. It wasn't a feel-good message. Jonah's message was short, direct, and offensive. I wonder, in a genuine, authentic, loving church all over the world, if they could give a direct, short, and offensive message, maybe that would do something incredible in God's people. That'll be next week when Pastor Mark preaches. (laughs) 40 days! And that'd be all, folks. Game over. You are donezo. Then like a left hook came out of nowhere. From the greatest to the least, they all believe God's message. All of them. Say, Say what? Just like that, they all believed? Jonah says, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Can you imagine somebody came to America? 40 days from now, America, you will be destroyed. Can can you even imagine? 40 days. Now, Now, I want you to notice something that time was ticking on God's mercy. God's mercy, you need to understand, is a limited time offer. You don't have it forever. It's either till Jesus returns, everything is gone, or your last breath. We live in the age of grace, and we see what is happening in the world, and we understand, I hope you understand, the age of grace is running short, it's running out, it's getting closer. I know they've been saying that since 2,000 years, when they said, look to the heavens and, and look for me, I know they've been saying that, but the signs are lining up, church, lining up. Jesus is coming soon. Do I know when? No. Did you know Jesus doesn't even know when? Right? Quick guessing. 88 reasons why Jesus comes back in 1988. Well, that's no longer a bestseller. <laughs> yeah. That's now used for starting a fire. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but Jesus is coming soon. It says that the father is the only one that knows, and soon he's going to look at his son and say, go now. You must understand the times that you are living in. Now, next month, we're doing a new series. It's titled, Fear Not, Understanding the Times. All right, back to the story. Okay, does anybody else love that the Ninevites believed God? Raise your hand there like you care if you, if you love that. That's pretty awesome. They didn't believe Jonah. They believed God, right? Like me. You shouldn't always believe what Pastor Harris says. You should get in God's word and believe God. Amen? Just like that, they believed God and they all turned around immediately. Like that. It's hard to get your head around that. Okay? It's hard to get your head around that the, probably the most evil, the worst city 
in that time that humanity has ever seen with just a few words turns all the way around and, and denies it all and says, we need a different life. We repent. Give us mercy and grace. It's, it's crazy to think that they flipped around that quickly. It's kind of like this. It'd be like the news tonight saying, Howard Stern is now in Christian radio and his talk show is all about sexual purity. You'd be like, what? Snoop Dogg is now a Christian rapper and he's drug free. Yeah, okay. Vegas is now giving their proceeds to the poor and funding mission trips all around the world. I mean, it's that ludicrous. But it was like that. Nineveh, Nineveh believed God's message, stopped their evil immediately, and started fasting. It's absolutely incredible. Let's keep reading. Jonah 3, 6 through 9. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes, dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even animals from your herds and your flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Verse 9, who can tell? Perhaps yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. If my people, who are called by my name, amen, and all the people around them full of sin, that's what this was like. See, see the, kip, the, the king, when he steps down from his throne, that's showing submission to his authority. When he takes off his robe and he takes off his, his, his royal garments, that's showing obedience and submission to something else. It meant a lot when the king stepped down from the throne, he took off his royal clothes, put on a sackcloth, and covered himself in a heap of ashes. That was showing complete humility and repentance. Now, the king says this. He says, everyone pray earnestly. Everyone in my kingdom, pray earnestly. Turn from your evil ways and stop all your violence at once. So perhaps God will change his mind, hold back his fierce anger, and not destroy us. That God might have mercy on our city. God gave Jonah a second chance. Maybe we can have one too. Maybe, just maybe, Ninevites. God's grace is greater. Church, don't repent to feel better about yourself. Repent to get back to God. Repent to get delivered of your sin. Repent to be obedient to the call of God. Verse 1 God shows Jonah grace. Now we see in verse 10, which you're just about to read, that God's showing grace again. Let's look at verse 10. Jonah 3.10 says, When God saw what they had done, come on now, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, come on, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Pastor Mark said it very well last Wednesday night, or a Wednesday night ago. 
God is far more eager to save people than he is to condemn them. God's grace is greater. Because God sent his one and only son to save us, to deliver us, to heal us. Jesus, the son of God, took our beating. He shed his blood. He died on a cross and he rose again so that we could fully live in his glorious and perfect grace. Now, those of you online and in the church house today, you realize you need a second chance. You maybe came in today going, everything's falling apart. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. My family's a mess. My finances are a mess. My head is a mess. My sin is out of control. My life is out of control. I don't know. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. You need a new beginning. As you call on the name of the Lord, Scripture says that all your sins will be forgiven. It's as if you've never, ever sinned before. It says you'll be made brand new. Because of God's grace, your past will be forgiven. Some of y'all living in the past when God is here and present. You'll be filled with the Spirit of God. You'll be able to talk to God and you'll be able to hear from God. Call on the name of Jesus and forever be changed. Why, church? Because His grace is, say it, it's greater. That, in case you, let's just read this together. Everybody had like their own thing. Maybe that's what you need. But God's grace, is, it's greater. Amen, it's greater. What's it greater than? Anything you think of? Anything you ever done? Anything that's ever been done to you? His grace is greater. Okay, so there's this entire city of 120,000 people. Miss Kay did a great teaching on Wednesday, and uh, it was really, really good. Miss Kay, thank you, right? Look at your Christmas outfit. It's so Christmassy. You should be on a Christmas card, right? So purpley. That's different, but that's red. Okay. Elf. No, that's not a squirrel. That's Elf. The greatest Christmas movie, okay? So 120,000 people repented of their evil. That's a little bit smaller than Cedar Rapids itself. 120,000 people. Get your head around that for a moment. In the church house, we usually have around 200 adults, 300 and 200, upper 200s, I don't even know. There's a lot, there's a lot of people. Every Sunday online, everybody watching, it's like 350, 315. And we think, oh, that's a lot of people. 120,000. They repented of their evil. From the king down to the peasant, it even says they're animals. I knew God loved animals. Amen? God showed mercy on them all. He spared them from his wrath and eternal damnation. Can you imagine how Jonah must be feeling? What? Look at this. Look what the Lord has done. This rebel prophet runs away from God, spends some time in the belly of his mess in a huge fish, and now God uses him in a big way with his second chance. 
And over 120,000 people have repented and are saved. Can you imagine? See, this is how I see Jonah. He falls on his knees before God. He says, God, thank you for using me. Right before my very eyes, this city and all the cities around them are spared from this evil. All because of your great mercy and your second chance. But is that what Jonah says? Come on, Jonah. Let's wrap this book up together. Let's start in chapter four. Big number four, little number one. All right, here we go. Jonah, his finest moment. Here we go. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry. Say what? Jonah, do you not understand what just happened? Do you not know what you just became a part of? This is, bro, bro, this is called a miracle. If Jonah would have been alive today, here's what would have happened. Jonah would be booked at every church, every church conference, and every speaking event across the world. (laughs) Magazines would have him on the front cover. Celebrities would be calling and texting him. Mel Gibson would call him up, say, hey, hey, Jonah, hey, listen, head into town next week. I want to talk to you about this movie. I want to do it about your life, okay? Hit me back, my favorite prophet. Late night talk shows for weeks would have exclusive interviews with Jonah. And Time Magazine would vote him the sexiest man alive. I don't know how that works, but they keep doing stupid stuff like that. Might smell like fish, but man, does he look good. But church, instead, Jonah gets angry. Angry. He says he gets greatly upset. Let's keep reading. Jonah 4, 2 through 3. So he complained to the Lord about it. Right? I kind of complained to God about the snow this morning, so this kind of hits home here a little bit. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't plan that. Um, wow. I'm going to sit down here with you guys for a second. (laughs) Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you'd be merciful and compassionate. It's the kind of God you are, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be a dead man than alive. I didn't go that far this morning, okay? (laughs) If I predicted, will not happen. Jeez, Jonah, like, get a grip, man. Like, wow. You know what God told me? Anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness will do some pretty terrible things in your life. This is for many people in the church house today. Harboring bitterness Bigotry and self-righteousness will ruin your life. It'll ruin you to the point you may want your life to end. Just like Jonah did. He hated these people so much that when God forgave them, 
his root of bitterness and his unforgiveness, it manifested into depression and sinful anger. Here's the thing, church. We have to forgive. You don't have the choice. You have to forgive. Let me say that again. You, me, we have to forgive. God has called us to forgive. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. We sang about it. God has called us to live in freedom. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to anger, bitterness, prejudice, bigotry, self-righteousness. I'm no longer living in bondage. We have to get rid of bitterness or we're going to have a life full of disobedience. Hear me, church. Some of you in here today need to let it go. Let me look at your faces. You need to let it go. Some of y'all in here today, you need to let it go. Let it go. Because your anger will not let you go. You have to let it go. You have to give it to God. Let it go. Give it to God and let it go. When Jesus was hanging on a cross, he'd been abandoned, he'd been abused, he'd been lied about, he'd been slandered, he'd been spit in the face, he'd been hit, whipped, and mocked, and what was his response? He was hanging on our cross, and he looked up at God, and he looked down at humanity, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We have to be a group of people that forgive unconditionally. If you don't let it go, your anger will never let you go. Now, I wish Jonah would have heard this sermon because it doesn't get much better for him and his anger. Let's keep reading Jonah 4, 4 and 5. Now the Lord is going to reply. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this, Jonah? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He still didn't believe it. He still wanted the wrath of God. Here's what happened. I ain't going to talk to you right now, God. I'm mad at you. Jonah's taking his ball and he's headed home. See, Jonah is acting like a man-child. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been a man child. I'm just playing. Don't. Don't look at your I'm just playing. It's messed up. It's rude. It's mean. See, Jonah didn't get the answer he wanted from God. You ever been there? See, God, we talked. That's not the plan I had for you to give to me. You remember that? Yeah, Hey, hey, God, 
you might not know what you're doing up there, okay? That's not how I saw this play out. He didn't get the answer he wanted from God. He wanted to preach at the evil ones for 40 days. Some of y'all are just mad at the world, too. This is how you feel. You want to preach at the world for 40 days and watch the place burn to the ground. Those sinners get what they deserve. Haters are going to hate and sinners are going to get what they want and what they deserve. That's what Jonah thought. They're so evil, they don't deserve the mercy and grace that I got. Come on now. Jonah didn't get the results that he wanted, so he left the city and he climbed a hill and said, forget you, God, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Let's keep reading. Jonah 4, 6 through 8. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. Well, praise God. This erased his discomfort. Wow, he flip-flopped really quick. Um, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant, right? Verse 7, but God also arranged for a worm. God playing with me. <laughs> Quit playing games with my heart. Okay. Now I get that song, okay. Um, the next morning... At dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. Well, that that didn't even last a day. And the sun grew hot. God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Wow. Then Jonah, I'm sorry, then the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. And this is what he says. Death is certainly better than living like this he exclaimed man we all been there haven't we I mean not exactly like that but you maybe told God or maybe you said out loud it's it's better that I die it's better that something else happens I can't keep living like this okay even in the midst of Pouty McPowderson's tantrum God still loves on Jonah He helps ease his discomfort, God's provision of a leafy plant. But church, God also arranged for a worm. A worm that ate away Jonah's comfort. This is good for Americans, what I'm about to say. Do you remember the book of Alexander and the horrible, no good, very bad day? You remember that book? Some of you don't remember. It's, it's actually from 1973, I think, or something. It's been around a long time. Well, this is Jonah and the horrible, no good, very bad day. That, that's today, okay? But I want you to know something, and you probably already know this, that God is the God of the horrible, no good, very bad days just as much as he's the God of the great, amazing, and very incredible days. These verses say that God provided these things. God arranged for these things to happen for Jonah and to Jonah. Sometimes, church, God will send a leafy plant to protect you, and other times God will send a worm to take it away. Why? Not because God is mean. It's because God is the provider. 
let that simmer for a moment. See, God knows what Jonah needs. God knows what you need in every season of your life. God provides the winds and the worms just as much as he provides the leafy plants. God knows why things happen the way they do, even though we may never know why. Because God loves us perfectly. God loves us, and sometimes he sends a whale, and sometimes he sends a worm. Listen, it's in those unanswered prayers and those rejections that you needed, or you would have went down the wrong path in life. Come on now. It's those no, not now, and you're not ready yet that got you back on track in your life. It's the worms and the whales that give you a second chance to obey the voice of the Lord. Comfort always, comfort doesn't always equal calling. Comfort doesn't always equal calling. I should know. <laughs> and so should you. Constant ease doesn't usually come from the God who knows what is best for you. You hear me? Constant ease doesn't usually come from the God who knows what is best for you. Listen, my biggest mistakes, my biggest heartaches, my belly of my mess is what made me the man I am today. God knows when to send a worm and when to send a whale. I thank God for the leafy plants in my life, but I also thank God for the worms. I don't want you to be like Jonah and beg for the leafy plant and then curse God when he sends a worm. Don't be like Jonah. Be spiritually more mature than that. Understand that God is developing Christ in you. So you can walk through some things so God can use those things for his glory. Amen? Jonah, chapter 4, verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Like, Jonah, you had it less than a day. And what's he say? Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. Let's step back for a moment as we get closer to closing. I want to step back for a moment. Let's wrap this whole thing up. Here's the revelation that God gave me. Just look at the whole chapter for a moment, high level. This chapter is all about Jonah. It's about his anger. It's about his unforgiveness. It's about his comfort. It's about God taking away the leafy plant. See, Jonah chapter 4 is all about Jonah. Here's my question for you. Is life all about you? I want you to think about it for a moment. It's easy to say no, but here's the reality. We live in a misconstrued culture, and life is actually all about us. Especially as an American. We have everything that we could ever want, and we still want more. We're never satisfied. So Jonah is now laying in a fetal position because he's lost his plant. 
His, his 18 hours of comfort, he's lost it. Poor guy. He's buckled over in despair. And here's what God says to him as we wrap up Jonah 4 in verses 10 and 11. Then God said, you feel sorry about your plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people, souls, living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Jonah cared more about a plant than he did a people. Jonah cared more about comfort that he had less than one day than thousands of souls for eternity. If Jonah was here, this is why I say, hey, Jonah, thank you for your book. I thank you. Some people believe that uh, Jonah wrote this book. So to be that honest and real is pretty awesome that Jonah would be like that. Because a lot of times we, we put on a facade, especially when we come to church. Everything's great. Oh, life's wonderful. Well, Jonah just laid it out. I acted like a fool, and here's how I did it. Here's where I obeyed God, and here's where I didn't. Learn from my mistakes so you don't be like me. Here's what I'd say to Jonah if he was here. Jonah, as he already knows, life isn't about you, Jonah. It's not about your anger. It's not about your unforgiveness. It's not about your bitterness or your bigotry. It's not about your pain or even about your preferences. Jonah, life is about Nineveh. Church, life is about Nineveh. What is Nineveh? Nineveh is when you walk out your front door and you lock eyes with somebody. Nineveh is the world we live in, a world that is falling fast, a world that's caught up in sin and celebrates it. It's a world where marriages are falling apart, a, a world where kids don't have fathers in the home, a world where kids are killing kids and broken people have no hope, a world that has no identity and follows the lust of the flesh in every way possible. It's a world that thinks the government's going to save them, a world that is searching for answers in all the wrong places. But life has become about our leafy plants. We drive our cars and life is good. It's all good. I'm blessed. But if we get out for a moment and walk with the people, we'd realize we live in Nineveh, that life is about Nineveh. Can you imagine if all the believers at First Open Bible that call this their home, even the ones that come every two months, they would all say this, God, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm going to Nineveh. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm going to do exactly what you've called me to do. I'm going to Nineveh. I'm going to extend someone else grace that doesn't deserve it. God, I'm committed to go to Nineveh because you have given me a second chance. Church, we got to stop living for grace and start living from grace and start showing God's grace. 
We might think the book of Jonah was supposed to only be about Jonah and this big fish, right? Anybody grow up like that? It's Jonah and the big fish. Raise your hand, right? It's Jonah and the big fish. I went to Sunday school. I sat in the hallway a lot for talking too much. My poor teacher growing up, I grew up in this Methodist church, and my teacher, her, her daughter was the same age as me, and, uh, and she kept moving up because she wanted to constantly teach her daughter, and so did I. <laughs> she had many, many years of putting me in the hallway. Hallelujah. We might think that the book was supposed to only be about Jonah and a big fish, But church, the story of Jonah was always meant to be about Nineveh. Just like your life. Once you've met Jesus, your story changed. Life was about you. But now that you've met a grace that is greater, your life is now, or should be, about Nineveh. You know, God put you on this earth to change eternity. I don't think some of y'all know that. Some of y'all are put on this earth. All y'all are put on this earth. Everybody that knows Jesus knows the power of the risen Savior. You were put on this earth. You have not been raptured yet. You have not been, you're not dead yet. You have a calling on your life. You are called to change eternity. The power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power. I don't, maybe y'all don't know and understand that. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Incredible. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of you. Inside of you. Why? So you can go to Nineveh. God put us on this earth to change eternity and that's why we're here. So here's my last question in this series. Do you want God to use you to change eternity? Do you want God to use you in your life to change eternity? If you do right now, I want you to raise your hand and raise a high. Keep it there. Keep it there. Now I want you to say this after me. God, God, God. say it like you talk. Close close your eyes if you don't mind, please. Talk to him right now. God, God. use me me. to change eternity. eternity. Send me to Nineveh. Nineveh. Say it again. Father, Father, use me me. to change eternity. eternity. Send me to Nineveh. Before I pray, Brent, will you please come up? (laughs) You're so good. Whoa! (laughs) When you minister as long as we have, you just get it, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Or you just want me to stop talking and you came up. I get it. Either way. (laughs) I got three lines left. Here it is for Jonah. Jonah, grace that is greater. This story is about, am I son? Jonah, grace that is greater. I'm hitting a big point, not a good time to turn me off. 
This story is about second chances, redemption, deliverance, and grace. And church, life is not about us. It's about Nineveh. Let me pray for you. When I'm done, Miss Carolyn, you can come up. Father, I thank you for your word. <laughs> so good. I thank you that even as a boy, I've read this story many times or it's been read to me. And as many, many different teachers this month have been digging into your word in these four small chapters, you've taught us so much. You've reminded us of so much. You've healed us from so much. And you put us back on the right track. I want to say thank you first and foremost for your grace. For anything I've ever walked through, anything I'm about to walk through, anything that I've ever felt, anything I've ever thought, anything that's been said to me, done to me, your grace is greater. I just lift up every person that can hear my voice. Let them be reminded that your grace is greater. It's greater than their pain. It's greater than their preferences. It's greater than their bigotry. It's greater than their hurt. It's greater than their unforgiveness, their bitterness. It's greater than every, everything that's ever happened to them, anything that's gonna happen, anything that's ever been said to them. It's greater than their failures and their faults and their insecurities. Your grace is greater and you wanna pull us from the depths up into where you've called us because God, you wanna send us to Nineveh. There are lost people all around us that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of reconciliation, the gospel that, that spoke to us and gave us a second chance. There's people in the house today that need a third, fourth, fifth chance today. I pray that as they sit in the house today, they feel spirit of living God move upon them right now. <sighs> Wrap them in your loving arms right now. Let them know that your grace is greater. You are never too far gone and you've never done too much. He will chase you. He will kick you off that boat and he will rescue you in the weirdest ways. And he'll get you back to him. But you got to listen to the voice of the Lord. Father, I just ask that you forgive us for the ones that didn't listen, including myself. That if I didn't do what you called me to do or say the things that you've called me to say, forgive me, give me another chance. Give us another chance. I thank you that life is not about us. It's about Nineveh. It's about the lost. It's about the 120,000 souls. It's about the 120 million souls. It's about the billions of people on planet Earth. It's all about them coming to the same realization that we've come to, that we are sinners saved by grace and we need the mercy and the love of Jesus and there is no other way. Put the words in our mouth and send us with our feet and anoint our hands to minister to the lost and the broken. Put, I pray that our spirits rise up in these situations as the mercy and grace is starting to be lifted from the earth and one day it will be gone. Send us before. We pray for a great revival in the last days. A great revival. Send us to Nineveh. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree, say amen. Amen.